1: Wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me! Help! Help! Good morning, good morning, Professor Ward. Scott here the, in the Warthog Manly Man Cave, inside the Mellon Law Studio, protected by Crime Prevention twenty four seven three sixty five, and sponsored by all kinds of great people, which you'll see us highlight at the bottom of the hour, and also our donors who really help us out. Special shout-out once again to Plantation Uh, Mark. If you're hearing this voice loud and clear, uh, we got this brand-new state-of-the-art microphone. So appreciate that, Mark, as always, your great support. You know, uh, I learned something about Mark. Um, We've got Ted Yoho with us here, of course. Uh, Plantation Mark was an E-9 chief in the Navy, Ted, and um, was a welder on the, on the submarines and the aircraft carriers for 30 years. He was in the Navy. So he knows what he's doing. He's been, been, those chiefs pretty much run the Navy, you know, (laughs) so he's a great fan. I just wanted to give him a shout out. Um, Ted's going to be with us here in wherever he is. He's broadcast with us from all over the world, literally from Vietnam, from DC. Uh, Now he's in someplace, uh, which is going like to be leaving. Heck? Yeah, he's going to be leaving at the bottom of the hour and carrying on in his car. I mean, he's quite the, he, he's quite the sophisticated podcaster. And I'm really proud I of tech, him. I, I know you tech. all listen and hang on your uh, seats for whatever he's got to say. So, Ted, you got quite a fan club coming in. They always ask me, is he going to be on? Is he going to be on? And I say, well, he's uh, steadier than the weather. I can tell you that right now. So, <laughs> Well,
0: thank you uh, for the opportunity and a kind <laughs> word. Thank you.
1: Well, you know, Ted, a thing that they all are howling about, and they think you may have some knowledge about this. And in particular, there was, uh, I've forgotten the name now of something that one of our listeners provided me with yesterday. He thought, thinks you might have voted on once upon a time. And it was a, a, a bill to prevent the interception of our electronic mon- uh, navigating devices in our. Our defense system. That you, Do you recall what this might have been?
0: Yeah, it's, it's, it tall, falls into the national security. All of those bills come together through the NDAA. Um, uh, there's uh, standalone bills that are for national security. And the cybersecurity bill, in fact, we had one that we introduced that never got through the House, uh, but it was something that was needed. There was one that Mike McCall, chairman of the Foreign Affairs Committee, put in there the cybersecurity um, uh, threat uh, bill, basically is what it was. And um, it kind of paralleled our bill that said, this is what we define as a cyber attack on our nation. This is when we see this, and it was loss of life, loss of um, uh, infrastructure, uh, all those vital services, whether it's just the the credit card machines, uh, the internet, any of that uh, aviation control towers shutting down, any of those things that happen, we would deem as an act of war. And this is what we would do. Our language was too strong because they said it bound us. If, if we said we were going to do this kind of like when Obama drew the red line and he never backed it up. If you don't back it up, you lose credibility. Ours was kind of matter of fact, and no nonsense. If you do this, this is what we will do. And this is an act of war. And, um, you know, it's probably more imperative now that Congress really focuses on this stuff instead of of some of the circus shows that they're focusing on now. There's some real threats to our country that we've never seen in our lifetime. Actually, we haven't seen them since World War II. And, um, you know, the Twin Tower destruction, um, you know, on um, 9-11, that was an attack and a wake-up call. Uh, That was from the Islamic uh, uh, jihads uh, this attack that we're uh, that's imminent, uh, and I, I use that word very cautiously is from russia it's well it's from China, Russia, then you have Iran, North Korea more than likely will be a player whether they're with us um, attacking this nation, but they'll draw draw us in if they do something in South Korea or Japan, and then the threat of China um, going into Taiwan, I think will be the catalyst.
1: You know, I'm trying to look at it from their point of view. That's also, um, let me put on the, 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 the evil hat here for a moment. If I were running China, I would have to say, why do I need to attack the USA? Why can't I just buy them? Why can't I just buy them and steal all their secrets and uh, sell all the products to them that they're not going to make themselves and let them, carry on with their meaningless discussions about things that have nothing to do with us that we don't even recognize as uh, worthy of being discussed. Uh, uh, You know, I don't need to go to war with them. Um, I do need to acquire, however, a little more territory. So I don't think they'll do anything if I go to Taiwan. I mean, what would they do? You know, I mean, uh, who's going to be their surrogate? Uh, Japan, well, you know, we've dealt with them before. This is the way I would be thinking if I were China. And correct me if I'm wrong, I'm playing the devil's advocate here, but um, you can buy buy the United States. They're buying farmland all over the place. Um, They
0: are buying factories. Yeah. And and that's part of their strategy. Um, You know, keep in mind China's, people ask me, how do you deal with China? Well, you can't deal with them unless you know what their end goal is. And their end goal is to be the world hegemon, which means the controlling party, not just economically, but militarily. So that is their goal. So keep that, this is their goal, what we're trying to accomplish. Those things that you just mentioned are part of their plan. Let's buy up as much land, property, you know, food production, you know, they own Smithfield Foods, which we've talked about before, which is the largest pork producer in the United States. It is controlled by China. Um, And when China buys a business in America, Um, They have the control, well, they own it, number one, there's Communist Party members running it, Uh, they're at the management level, and the goal of that company is to serve the benefit of the Chinese Communist Party. So it's ludicrous that we're allowing these factories to go there. And you brought up a good point. Uh, Frank Stronick, who is a billionaire, he's got a farm in uh, Ocala, he's got farms all over the world. Uh, he's one of the largest automotive producers in North America and Europe, um, and he lives in Ocala. Uh, he's written about a uh, book that's called uh, The Magna Man is the name of the book. And he talks about when you erode your economy by allowing manufacturing jobs to leave, what happens over a period of 20, 30 years is you get an erosion of that working class family. And I mean, all you have to look is what happened with NAFTA, what happened when China went into the World Trade Organization, and all these manufacturers went to Latin America or Mexico and they went overseas. And so we've eroded that bottom base or that middle base, the middle class. And that's exactly what you said. China's buying all this. So we become dependent on products from China. Look how many things we buy that aren't from China. It's very few. The majority of things we buy are from China. And so that's part of their game. On the other side of that, nobody's trying to attack China, but yet China is building up a Navy larger than ours, a Blue Water Navy. They have plans for five or six aircraft carriers. They're going to be state-of-the-art. They've copied our F-35 fighter jet, the most advanced fighter jet in the world, and they've copied a large portion of that. And so why do you need a large military if nobody's threatening to invade you? And it's, again, to project power so that they can do those things you're talking about. And this is what Congress should be focusing on instead of, you know, the January 6th uh, hearings are important. Hunter Biden is important, but they're not the most important thing. And so what this Congress should do is really triage those important things. You know, it's China, it's our debt, and it's um, election laws, I see, and it's our borders. Those things they should really focus on and bringing those jobs back. And this is what drives the left crazy about the MAGA movement. Make America great again. Donald Trump was 100 percent, 110 percent right on that movement because he saw this. And, of course, you saw how the deep state went after him, how the media went after him, how the Chinese and probably Russian and other nefarious actors went after him via TikTok and all these other things just causing that. Uh, divide in this country are adding to that divide.
1: Well, the worst complicity in all that, too, is turning out to be uh, the CIA and the FBI. Um, I've been listening to reports of investigations into them. They were part and parcel of, of uh, spreading the, the uh, Russian collusion idea. They just bowed. Some people suggest they need to scratch the CIA for a while and, and, uh, and uh, start all over again. They're all designed to be i've heard it described this way professional liars or they wouldn't be in the cia I
0: mean, well you know what that's pretty much true i mean that was what was that series homeland i mean if you ever watched homeland like just one of the seasons it was all deception and lies and they were lying to each other and nobody knew what the truth was and uh i think that's pretty much what happens you know they they can always justify why they're telling a lie and uh It's interesting, under Sharia law, there's a a law or a rule, I think it's called, I can't remember the name, it's like the Takata, I can't remember it, so I don't want to get dinged on this, but there's a rule that says it's okay to lie if it justifies the ends. And I think the Democrats and, you know, politicians in general, a lot of them have done that, not all of them, but a lot of them have done that.
1: You make a good point about invading China. The last person I know who got in trouble was MacArthur. Across the Yalu River, and uh, you know the, the the two guys who really saw it were the military guys. Patton said, "I can get you to Moscow, and I can also control the Middle East oil fields for a hundred years." And of course, Truman took the position that you know we didn't win the war to conquer the world, and and so he said, "Well, you're going to have these problems forever," and so we've got them, and they're they're lingering problems. But I think you made an excellent uh, checklist a, a m- moment ago about what Congress should be paying attention to. And if you would, uh, if you can, uh, if you can just repeat it, you you had it down. Uh, The debt, the border, um, China, it was one other. What was the other one? Um,
0: Well, what I like to really start off with is ignorance. Ignorance of the American voter, what's really going on. That's right, voting, yeah. China is our biggest national threat. It's not North Korea as... um, Uh, Obama said, yes, they are a threat, but they're not the major threat. You know, they don't have the infrastructure. Yeah, they could do a lot of damage, face it. But China is the one that is, they've got the money, they've got the power, they've got the stretch. I mean, they've got police running around this country going after dissenters of China, of Chinese uh, origin. And they're doing that in this country. They're doing it in Canada. They do it all over Europe. And uh, China is our biggest threat. Then it's our debt. If we can't service our debt and this country collapses and this place right into the hands of China and you see what they're doing with Saudi Arabia, Saudi Arabia is selling oil to China, taking payments, not in the petrodollar of the United States, but in the Chinese yuan. And so um, this is a a process that's in the the works to weaken the American dollar. And if that dollar collapses in America, you're going to have bread lines. I mean, it's going to be worse than the Great Depression. And this is what our policymakers and our legislatures really ought to be focusing on. Um, You know, the garbage that they do up there just makes me sick. They're gonna have more hearings on the border. And again, the border is a national security crisis and it's not just our Southwest border. You see what's going on in Florida. There's probably 5,000 immigrants coming in a month in Florida, you know, through, through our waterways. And then don't disclude or don't forget our Northern border is as porous as any of them, and that's just not being reported on. So we've got a major problem here, but yet I've got Congress bashing members of the Republican Party, bashing other members of the Republican Party because they're part of the Freedom Caucus. They need to get their act together, and that's why I say if they're not doing what they're supposed to do, throw them out. Throw these people out. I mean, you need to get some adults in there that are going to focus on these major problems.
1: Well, also, I'd like to go ahead and pair off the extremists who have all these real radical uh, uh, things that they want everybody to march from where they want, which are not practical. You know, I mean, one of them, you know, sure, UN is a waste of time, but we're not going to get out of it. So there's a bunch of stuff we don't even need to be bothered talking about. There's extremists on that end. Uh, We've got ours in the Republican world. They're really not even Republicans. And then we've got the extremists on the left. Of course, we've got um, examples of those. I was talking to a, an old-time senator the other day. You know him. I won't mention him by name. He's about in his 80s sure. now. He laments the fact that when he was in the uh, political world, nobody, they could reach across the aisle and talk to each other. Sure. And you work things out. And he laments that he doesn't see that even on the, on the horizon. And if we could just, you know, I'm so for Biden to pretend and have the audacity to say, that but if he runs for president, he's going to deal with the border but you know, and the American people, fifty percent of them, if we believe the split, will swallow that lie. You know this is really where the core problem is, and i'm i'm I keep coming back to the show to address it and discuss it, and I think maybe we reach some people, but we I don't see any change in in the and then, of course, the factor in the election integrity, if you will, will avoid the beat word. And we don't have that anymore than we had it before. And it's showing up now that it was all over the place.
0: Uh, well, we've had the voter problems since the beginning of voting in this country. I mean, you can see it and both sides do it. But if you don't have faith in, your intake, in the integrity of the voting system, you can't run um, a, a democratic process for our republic um, going through the voting system. And again, the way the Democrats, Nancy Pelosi and the Democrats, Chuck Schumer, ran that uh, John Lewis Civil Rights Voting Act through uh, to honor John Lewis, which was a joke, the way, not John Lewis, but the the way that bill was written, because no no ID, you know, I'm getting ready to get on a plane. I've got to show my ID two times to get on that plane. Um, No signature verification. You know, um, when you sign a document, it's got to be, you've got to have it notarized. They do signature verification, no residency verification. Where do you live? Um, God forbid if they ask you if you're a U.S. citizen and there's this whole group out there that says people here, whether they're citizens or not, or however they got here, it doesn't matter if they came legally or illegally. They're part of the bigger group of America. So they should be able to weigh in on voting because that's going to impact them. And I disagree with that. That's my tax money that's going in there to run this country. And um, I don't want people voting for their own self-interest. And so many people do that. And uh, our founders talked about that. When you get over 50% of the population voting for self-interest and government handouts, the democracy or the republic is over. And, uh, God, we're, so, we're right on the precipice of that cliff. People need to wake
1: up. Well, you know, in um, listening to your uh, uh, checklist there, I think the thing that would make the most, rem- sadly, unfortunately, tragically, the thing that would make the greatest impact on the American public is if the value of their currency suddenly evaporated. Um, all of a sudden, you know, I remember pictures of what was going on in Europe as the war started there. I had to take a wheelbarrow full of money, Ted, to get a loaf of bread. Yeah. And uh, and Billy Matthews told me one time, I don't know if you ever knew Billy, but Yeah, you told me about him. Yeah. He said he said to me one day, Ward, if and when the price of food skyrockets, we will have a revolution. We will. America will. People won't put up with that.
0: Well, we've been blessed in this nation and thank the farmers because the cost of our food, and you've heard me say this before. Of discretionary income is one of the lowest in the world. It's about six point two five percent. That's what it was four years ago. It's gone up considerably. You know, um, you look at it now, and a lot of these things are man-made. Yeah, there was the COVID um, debacle. You know, yeah, a lot of people did die from that legitimately. But the way the government shut everything down—I mean, it was ludicrous because this is the modern era. We know how viruses are going to spread and. And I, I I don't even want to get into that because it was just crazy what they did. But along your points, you know, in uh, the Weimar Republic pre-World War II, the the mark German Deutschmark was devaluing so fast that the wives of the workers in the factories would go there and pick up their paycheck at lunch and get it and cash it because by the end of the shift at the, in the afternoon, it had dropped that much more. And so they were losing money all day long. And it got so bad that they were only printing the mark, printing the dog, their, their money on one side because it was devaluating so fast. Oh, people wow. don't that can happen here. And yeah. what oh. you said was a rapid drop in our money. It's been a precipitous drop. Yeah. And you don't see it that much, but. I, th- I think it's 80% of the money in circulation today has been printed in the last two years. And what that means is there's more borrowed money that goes into the market. So that dollar you had two years ago it has been devalued by this amount here. And so that, that purchasing power, um, and, and you see it, that, you know, that, why is your milk cost so much now? Why is your gas cost? Well, we know why gas is, but a car or a house, it's because the devaluation of our dollar.
1: Yeah, a little side note, people are actually borrowing money to buy a car and paying it back over a much longer period of time than the car will actually last. I mean, they're always upside down. And they'll just forever be upside down just to have transportation. Um, Talking with Ted Yoho here on our Wednesday with Ted, and it's um, um, always very frank, and we try to get you right straight to the heart of the matter. And one of the frustrations for both of us is that Congress doesn't seem to see these conversations the way we do. They don't get to the heart of the matter. And we've got a stumbling, bumbling person in the White House as we've talked about this. Oh um, terrible. my golly. And and uh, you know, deaf and dumb really to the and I don't mean to say that in a way that disparages people who are all are, are you know, deservedly need to hear and see better. But um um, man, he doesn't get it, and yet he wants to run again. Um, and people ask me what I think about Nikki Haley. I don't think she's got any chance to be the president. Um, I, I, You know, there you are. I mean, so what are we going to do about leadership? I, I just, and maybe you have a different opinion. You may know her or see, a diff- see it differently.
0: Yeah, I've met with her and talked to her. I, I like her. She's very knowledgeable, but I just don't think she has, for this point in time in our country, we need, we need a Trump personality. Um, you know, uh, I think if DeSantis, when he decides, and I suspect he'll decide um, later on in the summer, going into the fall, I think you'll see him announce if, if he's going to. Um, again, I know Ron, and he he's doing a heck of a lot better than I, I would have thought from knowing him in Congress. I'm very, very pleased with what he's doing, but it's going to take that kind of a person that sits across from a Putin, or a, a Xi Jinping, or whoever it is on a world stage that can articulate, and they have to be able to project strength for America. You know, Biden is not the person. Biden is gonna say exactly what he needs to say to get, you know, people behind him. You know, oh, we're gonna l- release a strategic oil reserve because a Putin drove up the price of gas. And so the prices drop a little bit. People say, oh, wow, isn't he doing great? And he does that over and over again. It's just like what you said on a border. But the thing about this guy, he's a pathological liar. I mean, you could go back to his resumes and just listen to what he says. Um, He's the wrong person for this country at this time in world history, because China and Russia are looking at that. Kim Jong-un, I I guarantee you he's following it. The Ayatollah is following it people running Cuba are following it. Um, Maduro in Venezuela is following it. And the list can go on and they're like, they see America, you know, like an injured animal and they're just waiting. Somebody will pounce on us and it probably won't be China. It'll be one of the smaller actors. And it, um, um, you know, I was talking to a a friend of mine that he does a lot of traveling over to the Middle East. And uh, I'm not really sure what he does, but he says, you know, nobody's talking about the Islamic terrorists. He goes, they're not gone. He says they are planning attacks, And so, you know, God forbid that happens again or something like a nine eleven. But the point of, I, I'm trying to get out is we need to rattle the cage of our legislatures to start solving this and follow the debt ceiling vote. That's going to be, they're not even talking about that, but that's the major thing they should be focusing on that in China and our border. And then Secondary is education, things like that.
1: You know, the education is pretty much um, um, going to have to be re- re- redone. <laughs> I yeah. mean, it's it, it it, it's drifted. And I think the word has really put us in the uh, leadership poorhouse. And I've been doing this show, you know, quite a long time now. So I've got a kind of a, a big perspective on uh, um if you will, from all the little pieces that I've talked about over the days and the months and the years, the word that's done us in is equity. It really has done us in. Sure. The whole idea, it's a communist word. I mean, it has to be. Everybody, oh, it is. You, know, it, it, you know, you take the meritocracy and throw it out because it's biased or somehow discriminatory, and you uh, besmirch that. That is, that is a no-no. You practically turn it into a to a, a, a profanity. And then on the other hand, you go locally. I don't know if you've been keeping up with this. We've got in the city of Gainesville, and I think it is the product of an early UFO landing in 1947. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, they've, they've been here. They're, they're back. I mean, the reason they're back is they see that Gainesville needs more charter officers, so... Uh, all these balloons floating over are gonna dump one out into the lake of the stupids here. That's my scenario. If I were a cartoonist, that's what I'd do. But
0: um uh, you get Jake Fuller to write a uh, cartoon about it. Yeah, that.
1: yeah. Well he's got a kind of a funny cartoon out about it right now, but but um you just you would just keep spending gargantuan amounts of money like, like this young man whom I know uh personally has not been given the charter offers a of position. <laughs> in the Gainesville government, over a diversity, equity, and inclusion, and he's being paid almost $250,000 a year. Are
0: That's you crazy. serious?
1: I am not. If I'm lying, I'm flying, and I don't even have a copilot's license. I mean, it is. Wake it,
0: up, people. Wake up. Come on, bro.
1: Come on. What's going
0: on? Come and, on. You know, ESG, ESG, was that ever voted on in Congress? No. It was it was brought out in rulemaking by the uh, administrative state. It was done by these woke corporations like uh, Larry Fink of uh, BlackRock, um, Jamie Dimon in the banking industry. (laughs) These are all woke CEOs. Look at Disney try to do it. And thank God Ron DeSantis crushed them. And, um, you know, that fight's not over. But it sure got their attention. I mean, their profits went way down, and that's the best way to affect these people. And that goes back to what I say. How do you get government to pay attention? We don't want a revolution. But by God, why are we paying them if they're not running our country the way they're supposed to? And I advocate for sending our money into an offshore escrow account where we paid our taxes, but it's not going to you, the federal government, until you start abiding by the law of the land, period.
1: You know, I have to tell this story before you, you know, we're going to let you go at 930 and get back on with you. But I believe I told you the story about having River River Phoenix. You probably know about him uh, always liking to meet me uh, for lunch and, you know, pay me the rent because he wanted to talk to me. I'd be in a college prof, so to speak, and he never went to formal education. You know, he was groomed as an actor from the time he was a little kid. And he and I were sitting around one day talking. He would pick my brain away. We're talking right now. I'd talk about what we were reading and thinking about. I don't know if I ever told you this, but uh, all of a sudden he looked up at me and he said, well, why aren't you president? (laughs) It's one of the most stunning, innocent questions I've ever been asked. And it made perfect sense. Why aren't people like us president? I mean, why are the phonies... With the exception of Trump, Trump was too real for them. They couldn't take that frankness. They couldn't take that matter-of-factness, you know, that kind of New York uh, attitude that he brought in and there. Right. They, had, they had to stomp that out. That had, to get, that had to get on out of here. You had to have somebody obtuse and and uh, uh, misinformed and <laughs> and a, a car well, They like a of Biden. Of they like a Biden. because They love Biden.
0: People. The deep state, or whoever's pulling his strings, Obama's is, is doing it. The people that pulled Obama's, they can uh, mold him into whatever they want, and he'll do exactly what they they want him to do. And he has no conscience, obviously, uh, for the lies he's done, uh, told, and and the harm he's done to this nation. You know, he and and the thing is, we can't overlook his the 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 outward projection of his stumbling and dementia and ignorance and all that lying, you have to look at what he has done and what he has done is forever changing this country. And that's the danger of this, you know, because the Republicans will sit there and go after, you know, Oh, look at all these uh, flubs he has on the media and he can't speak, but they take the eye off of what he has done. That needs to be undone and Congress should be undoing undunning that stuff. now. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's a word. We'll make that a word. Hey, it's nine 30. Yeah. You need to scoot for a while or that's what you're yeah, your
0: I better take off and you got to do your, uh, your I'll do the weather. Go. you're
1: going to check back in in the automobile you say or what? Yes, sir. You're I may be,
0: okay. but yeah, I'd like to continue this. All right. Take care. I okay, will see you
1: a little bit. So Ted's going to get, uh, get busy going wherever he's going. And, uh, it's important that going he get to D- out there. D- you know, going back to where? D.C. D.C. He's going to D.C. Ted, go up there and make a difference now. dog, not it. <laughs>
0: Need to get up on the top turnbuckle and come down and do a dusty road. Yeah, that's
1: right that's, <laughs> right. that's right. That's right. We're going to break now on the Ward Scott Files for the weather. We'll be right back in our sponsors. Melvin Law, the only official injury partner of the Florida Gators. The Scott Files Gold Sponsors are Lewis Oil Company, Shoot GTR, On the Spot Dry Cleaners, R&R Construction, and Style Cuts. If you are interested in promoting your business on the show, you can visit our website, www.wardscotfiles.com, and click on the Advertise Here banner
0: wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No,
1: thanks. Help me. Help. Help. Now for the weather brought to you by Lewis Oil. All right. Welcome back to Ward Scott Files. The Ward's weather report brought to you by Lewis Oil. And uh, we appreciate their support and all the support of our sponsors and our donors. Well... Um, as we said yesterday, there's some storms, pretty heavy, bad storms lined up for the central part of the U.S. We have that colliding air off the Gulf and then coming down off the uh, um, northwest, if you will, and cooler stuff from the pole. And it creates uh, tornadoes and violent storms. But here in our area, uh, we are about ready to set record, record warmth today around the uh, uh, Manly Warthog Command Center here in the Piney Woods of north central Florida. Uh, according to our weather, uh, stations, the temperatures can be 15 to 35 degrees above average right now, uh, in the South. And, uh, that's because the jet stream, uh, is uh, really bringing a lot of warm air around. And, uh, it's, it's, it's going to be kind of a interesting to see, Uh, uh, um, it probably will be, um, a record breaking day here in our area. And, um, That only means for those of us who look for grass to grow, uh, that we don't have to haul that much hay, right? Uh, And also, it's warmer at night, so as uh, outside the Warthog Command Center here, I kind of watch the heads of the cattle to see if they're looking at me or if they're on the ground eating grass. So they're on the ground eating grass right now. That's kind of how I tell the weather. Not in the country, really, really don't need weather reports. Uh, We can tell, I can tell by cloud formations, uh, direction of the wind, even the smell of the rain, all that business. its uh, You become kind of a natural man. So I wanted to uh, tell you that uh, expect a warm day to hear. You might even get out and catch a little uh, color uh, uh, exposure to uh, the tanning, if that's what you like to do, um, and um, enjoy yourself. I don't know if it'll be warm enough for you get in a body of water, but it's getting there. Uh, Ted is with us. He is getting ready to get on a plane to go to D.C., and he's going to check back in with us see, uh, in a little bit when he's in his car. I've got a couple of little funny stories here. I'm sure most of you have heard of the um, iconic Oscar Mayer, Oscar Mayer Wienermobile. Have you ever, ever seen this Mobile? It is in the shape of a big hot dog, and it's called literally called the Oscar Mayer Mobile. And um, it was um, parked in a Sinesta Suite Paradise Road uh, parking lot in Las Vegas, okay? And all of a sudden, the crew uh, couldn't get the wiener on wheels to start ahead of a scheduled 10 a.m. appearance at a place called Smith's on West Warm Springs Road. The Mobile would not start. It's 27 feet long, and it ultimately had to be towed, the Wienermobile had to be towed to the Penske trunk, truck rental at West Hacienda Avenue and South Decatur Boulevard, where mechanics installed a, quote-unquote, temporary catalytic converter. Now, the Wienermobile is operating on such a tight schedule it really didn't have any time to lament the theft of, of all things, <clears throat> a catalytic <clears throat> converter. Uh, so the mechanics quickly sealed up the area where the catalytic converter had been cut out, and away went the Wienermobile. Um, the Las Vegas outlets around the Sinesta Suites corporate place are looking for the thief, and the Las Vegas Metropolitan Police Department uh, has still not solved this mystery of who cut the catalytic converter out of the very popular and tightly scheduled Mobile. Wow. <clears throat> I was waiting for a time to share that story with you. And while we're waiting around for uh, Ted to hopefully get back with us in his automobile. Uh, the other thing is of interest. I thought I'd pass this along to you. And uh, this is a a little more serious story. Um, It turns out that this Michigan State University gunman who killed three students and critically injured five more Monday night would have been barred from owning a gun at the time of the shooting, except that a progressive Prosecutor had dropped felony charges against him previously for having a gun. Okay. Now, this person, Anthony McGray, eventually died of a self inflicted gunshot. Not before, though, he opened fire on the East Lansing campus. He was arrested in 2019 when he was busted with a loaded gun near an abandoned building, and this is all according to the Michigan Department of Corrections. He was charged with possession of a loaded firearm after cops found him carrying the gun without a concealed weapons permit on June 7, 2019. And he was initially slapped with a felony weapons charge. Which would have outlawed him from owning guns if the future, if he had been convicted. This is all according to the Detroit Free Press. However, he instead agreed to plead guilty. Are you ready for this? To a misdemeanor gun charge and the felony was dropped as part of the deal with the Ingham County District Attorney's Office. So the lesser offense of a misdemeanor does not prohibit McRae from gun ownership, and he bought another gun after the arrest, according to an interview that the Washington Post had with McRae's father. So he would have been barred from legally purchasing, owning, or possessing a firearm if he had been convicted of a felony concealed weapons charge. The misdemeanor conviction consequently did not prevent him from purchasing, owning, or possessing a firearm, which he did. Now, This county district attorney is named Carol Simon. Wouldn't you know? And she has been criticized repeatedly for being soft on crime. She's a Democrat. Uh, She retired at the start of the year. She's because of backlash from the local elected officials. And because of her going easy in her sentencing for people who had committed crimes while carrying a firearm. Um, So she's also done so apparently because she feels there are too many racial disparities, here we go, and this Anthony McRae was indeed black, and therefore follow the chain of logic in her mind. If you're black and carrying a gun, We're going to make it as easy on you as we can because you just really aren't a bad person. You've just been given circumstances that are difficult to deal with. Ergo, we'll give you a lighter sentence. This logic is all over the place in the criminal justice system. So this McRae pled guilty to the misdemeanor placed on probation from October 2019 through May 2021. And uh, he carried a Ruger 380 semi-automatic pistol in 2019 illegally if he had been convicted of the felony, but he could carry it as a misdemeanor adjudication. So he's believed to have to use uh, the 380 to kill and injure the uh, MSU students, which is interesting, a 380 round is generally used for concealed self-defense. It's not considered to be a heavy round like a 40 caliber is of course, or a nine millimeter even, uh, and particularly the 45. So there you go, there you go, there you go. Uh, for those of you who are aware of the frustration many people feel, with the criminal justice system, uh, there is another example. Now, old Uncle Joe, in his infinite wisdom, will uh, get up there and holler once again the pat kind of verbiage that we need to do away with uh, this, that, one thing, and another, and absolutely have nothing to say about progressive prosecutors in uh, Uh, their application of sentencing. I I would faint if the guy, the president, actually ever said something that made sense. I don't know if Ted is with us, uh, but we'll let him break in whenever he is. Um, Jason Riley, whom you know I think a great deal of, has talked about how this kind of attitude about crime has affected New York City, one uh, well, whole state of New York, really, uh, by legalizing pot. Um, what's happened is two years ago, uh, New York passed the Marijuana Regulation and Taxation Act, and it became one of nearly two dozen states that have authorized the sale of pot. Now, the governor, a woman, Kathy Holschel has said that the law is about, quote, creating jobs and opportunities, end quote, and quote, supporting small businesses, end quote. So people of like mind estimated that this legal marijuana sales would generate, oh, wow, $4 billion over the next five years. And the Office of Cannabis Management, get this, New York State has an Office of Cannabis Management. And the major focus of that office, and you guessed it, you guessed it, is social and economic equity. So hence, half of all retail licenses according to Jason Riley's research, are reserved for minorities, women, distressed farmers, veterans, and individuals who are disproportionately impacted by the war on drugs. I hear Ted's voice back there. Are you with me, Ted? Yes, sir. What do you think about that, my man?
0: I heard that whole segment, and you know, be careful what you get or ask for because are those the kind of jobs you want? Is that the kind of, um, society you want? Um, you were talking about New York, Carolyn and I were up there at the first of December and walking down, you know, Broad Street, Fifth Avenue, whatever street you were on, all you could smell was smoke. I mean, marijuana smoke. I mean, it was, people are smoking it on the streets and, um, You and I have been around a lot of people, I'm sure, over our lifetime, and it kind of saps the energy out of people. And then you get into the whole, the whole thing of what is the legal limit of THC? Um, There is not one. And so do you want somebody on your work job, uh, work site working for you? That's high. Um, I don't. Uh, I don't want the liability. You've got to do drug testing and it's just a mess, and it's the wrong way for society to go. And that argument of theirs uh, for the disadvantage and and uh, for equity, that's just a, the talking points of the liberal left. Uh, Marxist is really what it is that you were talking about equity. That's a Marxist um, ideology. Each give according to their ability and each take according to their needs, so we're all equal. That's not America.
1: Well, you know, it's even, uh, it's got more wrinkles, too, than I could ever imagine. People with marijuana-related convictions, Ted, according to Jason Riley, and I don't know if you read him much, but he has really got a a very sharp mind, they're the ones getting the first dibs on the new permits. (laughs) And hundreds of millions of taxpayer dollars, Ted, are going toward helping them purchase and renovate storefronts to sell this cannabis product, uh, <laughs> and uh, that's all That's all uh, blown up because the taxes to go, this is ironic, Ted, the taxes to go legal and sell are pushing the legal marijuana peddlers out of business because the sizable black market, which is unregulated, is beating them and <laughs> the price of the product. So... <laughs> You've got now, ironically, more than 1,400 illegal cannabis shops in New York, Ted, operating citywide.
0: <laughs> yeah, I had some, um, some acquaintances I know. I don't partake in the, uh, in the herb myself, but I have some friends that do. And they walked into a store in Gainesville, and he bought some pot. And he was raving about quality. And I forget what he paid for, how much he paid for. I saw you have a medical marijuana card. He goes, "No, they never asked me. I just went in there and bought it." And so you know, everything was supposed to be medical marijuana by prescription. It's all BS. And you know, what are they going to do next? Or you know how they're giving free needles to drug addicts and they're providing them with uh, you know quality heroin and whatever they're shooting up. Uh, are they going to open those up in next 20, 30 years? And what kind of country are we building? Are we building a, a narco-state economy? Are we building one that America was proud of, American ingenuity? And uh, again, this goes back to your legislatures.
1: Well, the fundamental point of uh, Jason's analysis is that this whole, I don't know if you'd call it an experiment, this whole application of entrepreneurship is a result of the social justice agenda. And that really sums up so much. It sure does. Doesn't it? The social justice agenda, I'm crying out loud.
0: Well, that comes out of Agenda 21 in the U.N. and globalization. And that's something that really started in the 90s. It, it had started probably a 100 years before then, but it really grabbed traction in the late 90s and that's when you started to see all these social programs being pushed some of them by government but some by corporations like the ESG that's not a government policy that is a private sector um, progressive policy that are into the globalist uh, worldview that there should be no borders there should be no nations we're all equal and uh, we know that ain't so
1: I wonder if that's secretly in the uh, uh, back of the... Like, I don't want to call it the back of the mind of Biden. that would give him too much credit, but... Uh,
0: no, no. He's a puppet. He, he can't think... He can't comprehend that stuff. He just goes out there and does what they tell him to do and has that, no remorse.
1: That whole business of the open border would fit into what you're talking about on Agenda 21. We don't need what borders. Is, well,
0: there, I don't know what the exact number is, but I think it's over 5 million people have come into this country through our borders illegally. And so they are illegal immigrants. Um, I used to get in trouble for calling people an illegal alien, but they are. They came here illegally, and they're alien to this country. And it goes back to what Theodore Roosevelt said. There is room for one flag. It's the American flag. Honor it. There's room for one language, it's English, you should learn it. And you're either 100% American or not at all, meaning you need to assimilate into the American culture. And they're not doing that. And our government is allowing it.
1: It is uh, really um, kind of interesting to see how it's backfired on them. And uh, we've got a couple of uh, laboratories, if you will, that are experimenting. California, and New York. And it's- well,
0: You said it backfired, I want to interrupt you. It not, it's not backfired on them. It's doing exactly what they wanted to do. Keep in mind, this is fundamentally changing America, as Obama said, Biden's doing, hearing it out.
1: Well, it's certainly resulted, if you will, in some sort of exodus from California and New York that perhaps is related to this kind of agenda. People have come to Texas from California, and people are coming here, as you know, from, uh, from New York. Um, oh, yeah. It's, and I think the locals need to remind them that
0: this is not New York. This is not California. You know, keep your damn politics out of it.
1: Talking to Ted Yoho is on the road right now. He's picked up with us again. He's on his way to D.C., and uh, we just had a half hour with him at his home. And now he's going back to uh, D.C. Um, anything that uh, you can add to the balloon mystery, Ted?
0: You know, I'm glad you brought that up because I wanted to, you, you had talked about that in China. This is an overst- an oversight or a dereliction of duty, really, of this administration. That, that balloon should have been shot down the first moment they saw, like, they're doing these other ones. Now they're. You know, they're shooting down everything that's unidentified. Heck, for long, they're going to be shooting down a, a flock of migratory birds because they couldn't identify it. <laughs> but uh, this, is kind of, this is kind of what China does. They test the waters, and they do this repeatedly. You can look at the border skirmish between uh, China and Pakistan, uh, China and India, uh, more so with India where they just went in and took territory that wasn't theirs. has always been disputed. And then they pull back and see what the response is. This is historically what China does. And this is a prelude of them starting to fly airplanes into our airspace. And I think we should take a a lesson from President Erdogan of uh, Turkey. When the Russians went into his airspace, he sent them a warning, and then he blew up the plane. And I don't think Russia goes in there anymore. And I think that's projecting power, and certainly we have the capability of doing that. And I don't care whose feelings I hurt, but I, I wish we had a president that said, if anybody invades our airspace, shoot them. You know, if you can identify it's a military aircraft, or you can identify it as a president.
1: How much relationship, how, like much, truth, how much truth is there, to th- you think, to this whole notion that um, the kid, Hunter, is in business cahoots with China and helping his dad. And they're all in this financially because, you know, let's face it, Joe Biden didn't have any five houses when he went to D.C. umpteen years ago. Oh.
0: You can't make that kind of money up in D.C. on the salary. I mean, it's a good salary, but you're not going to accumulate wealth. Like I told you before, Carolyn and I, through lost revenues from my veterinary practice and other things, we went back backwards over a million dollars uh, serving those eight years. You know, we, did, we had seven homes when I went up there. I didn't get them before I got in Congress. I had those ahead of time. And um, so somebody like Biden to become as wealthy as he had. Um, you're asking about Hunter Biden uh, as a, a business partner of China. I'll guarantee you that Hunter Biden is not a, a business associate. He is a tool or a conduit uh, for China to get uh, into the higher levels of government. They have no use for Hunter Biden's his business skills or any of that other than the Biden name and uh, to get access. I'll guarantee you that's 100% of, of what China has any use for him or Joe Biden his access into this country. And I think that goes with Mitch McConnell. You know, the more I think about that, um, you know, they, we need to be a lot sterner. Well, we need new leadership. You know, and it ticks me off that somebody like Rick Scott had the tenacity to challenge Mitch McConnell and 37 of his fellow Republicans would not back him. You know, they're going to put Mitch McConnell is back in at the helm of the minority party minority party when they should have won, and uh, they had a viable candidate, Rick Scott running against them. And I don't, I still don't know who the ones that voted for McConnell because it was a, a private, a secret ballot. Uh, but we know Mike Lee was, and there was ten of them that voted against him. Of course, McConnell's retaliated against them, even though he says. Oh, I had nothing doing with them being removed from their committees. That's all BS. I'm sorry, sophistry.
1: Sophistry. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for checking in with us, Ted. We're down to the down to the end of here, and you'll be uh, moving along. I hope to see you next Wednesday, and, uh, and they'll tell them where you'll be, but uh, I'm sure you'll check in. I think it.
0: I'm in town. <laughs> <laughs> and I apologize for the crazy schedule.
1: No, it's, it's all it's – all, uh, it's all part of who you are and, uh, and what we uh, uh, are fortunate enough to have on Wednesdays with you. And, oh, it's uh, Carolyn's fault. Oh, yeah?
0: <laughs> yeah, she's got bad habits. She likes to live indoors with electricity, so i got to go out and make a living.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, we just hope that value of that dollar that you're making holds up for all of us, okay? <laughs>
0: oh, my God, I tell you what. I, I just appreciate you and, uh, you know, get people to wake up. Wake up, America.
1: Well, have a great trip. We'll check in with you in about a week. And um hope all you right. all um, enjoy having you on the show always. And enjoy all of our listeners and supporters. And we'll check in with you tomorrow on the Ward Scott Files. Thank you. Bye-bye.